How's gigs? Um, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I did it a private party uh, not too long ago, and that was fun. But I had like PTSD the next day because <laughs> mm. no one was masked, and I was uh, like, "Oh my god!" I, no one. The, the only one who was masked. It was outside though. I wouldn't yeah. have done it inside. Yeah. It was all outdoors, but um, you know, having to go through and use the bathroom and whatnot, and it's it's still kind of like that funky place where you're crossing paths with people and it's like no masks on you feel naked but obviously for me as the singer you're up you know in front of your microphone you're not really as much as the you're not the aggressor Uh, you are the aggressor I'm sorry it's other people are less your concern unless they're like right in your face you know Um, right it's more so precautions for them like as the singer they're projecting my spittle's probably going to get like 20 feet in front of me, you know? So you might not want to be near me. Okay, good point. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, I've, I've been taking it very seriously and I'm only doing outdoor shows and we'll, we'll see. I had one cancel over the weekend because it's getting too cold here mm-hmm. and they were concerned. That being said, I'm doing a lot more focusing of my energy into, you know, releasing stuff online releasing singles and and just trying to find find ways to keep myself busy with all right can't really go out and play shows right now in any like large capacity but um maybe beefing up my social presence or just trying to see you know we were talking about algorithms earlier i'm like well i guess i could just see if i can mess with the algorithm enough to see like okay if i get on a regular content release schedule that like works for me and enriches my soul versus like sucks the life out of me, then maybe, um, maybe some good will come out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Matt Ryan has been on this mission to fuck with Spotify's algorithm. Nice. (laughs) uh, We'll see what happens. Releasing some singles and EPs in an unorthodox, not even an unorthodox way, but a unique way. Mm -hmm. Unorthodox. How? Like the scheduling of it? Yeah. So it'd be like every four weeks, drop a single. Okay. And specifically, um, this this release is instrumental based and mm. more like guitar centric, I guess, acoustic guitar centric. But it has its electric moments and its psychedelic moments. But um, I guess within that world, there's like a niche where maybe an instrumental track that's super mellow or something can make it onto a sleep playlist, mm-hmm. and then maybe chart there i don't i don't really know i don't i'm going into it without expectations i'm just kind of like at the point where i could just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks yeah and and if nothing comes of it then i i didn't really lose anything at the end of the day because i'm still creating and releasing music that uh, speaks to me and i feel passionate about yeah so it doesn't feel like yeah it doesn't feel like a high stake situation Mm. yeah i mean that's like the kind of the silver lining of how things are right now it just, everything became a sandbox overnight, mm-hmm. which is pretty sick. I mean, it's like, you might as well use it. Yeah. So you could come out just with some whole new avenue you didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, where are you guys at with, like, social media? I, I know that, like, cracking into this this topic is going to, you know, obviously raise eyebrows, Joel. But, uh, <laughs> we could talk about it for a while, and I'm totally down to get into it because... I just watched a social dilemma and, you know, dovetailing that with, 
what I've been reading from Edward Snowden, I, I have a lot to say. I'm realizing I'm like, oh man, the gears are turning and there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Mm. Um, where do you guys feel you're at with social media and your, your existence as a digital person with a permanent record and how that pertains to you, the music you're creating? Oof. Okay. The permanent record thing, I am constantly going into Facebook memories and deleting things. <laughs> but what I usually leave up is like maybe events that I've shared or videos or like recordings and stuff like that. As far as a presence, I, so I'm about to launch a Patreon for my music. Cool. In a couple weeks. I have a lot of headway that I have to make first so that I can make sure that I have like bonus content to release kind of queued up. And I don't know how close I am to this really, but I'm looking at Facebook not wanting to do videos featuring music anymore. I'm looking at the way that we engage in live stream culture right now and it doesn't seem focused enough to me. So I actually see social media and especially live streaming for artists and bonus content offerings from artists going to the paid subscription platform. Cause I, I, I think it's brilliant and I think it's like, it's worthwhile for every artist out there to offer as much as they feel comfortable offering at just like the dollar a month tier or, you know, I, I don't want to tell people how much they should ask for, but give your listeners, give your fan base, like, some expectations that they can still engage with you at the level that they did on social media before Facebook put a ban on live streams and music experiences and stuff like that. And I think that that's a way to focus the fan base more, like get everybody in one place instead of switching back and forth to, from Facebook to Instagram or switching back and forth from Twitter to whatever. I like guess. I think all that is necessary given our current advertising landscape. I hate to call it that, but that's what it is. But I also have been following some people on Patreon recently and just kind of studying what the platform is capable of. And if we had more services like that or more people engaged in those services and if it was more popularized, like the reason that Facebook is so effective for people marketing their art is because everybody is already on Facebook. Everybody is already on Instagram scrolling through. So it's so popular because you know where people are already going to be. So I think it's a matter of popularizing something different and something that could potentially be more effective and is certainly capable of offering more focus from the listeners, from the viewers to your work. So that's kind of where I've been at. Is so I'm, I'm in that dreamland idealistic place of, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to cultivate a new means of delivering my art. And not that I think that I'm going to be able to survive as an artist off of that platform, but I think that I'll be able to cultivate more engagement via that platform. So that's kind of where I see this all heading. If everyone gets the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what about you? I've been I hit a brick wall with it, man, with uh with social media. I was heading that way anyway. But ever since this thing started, it's just been burning me out. 
so much faster than it ever used to. So I just... Yeah, you've only been promoting releases. Yeah, for like a year, I just would only post anything when there was something imminently coming out. And then, I don't know, when this started, I just was like, I can't... I need to just kind of be okay with taking a break from taking an active role in that. It's not a complete... Like, I'm not totally eschewing the whole thing and saying, like, I, I don't want anything to do with it ever again. But it's like if somebody were to say, hey, would you come on this live stream? Like, I would do that. You know, it's I have no problem with it. But I just, that type of energy that I used to have and the anxiety about, oh, God, like, did people hate the thing that I just posted? Or mm. did I just make an ass of myself in some way? That just wears me down. And mm-hmm. I just have been kind of trying to take the pressure off by deliberately saying like, this is what we're going to do for a little while. And it's honestly felt amazing, but it gives me real pause with like, what's going to happen. What if I like this too much? You know, like I, this, it is a necessary evil Mm -hmm. social media. So I'm trying to just figure out how to do it, I guess, like kind of relearning how to walk in a way, like how to be a modern person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the, the energy of it is quite intense. I mean, um, never before has like a widespread social fabric like this, um, been available. And not only that, it's like your data is being mined and the people that are using it for social connection are in turn being advertised to because they're the products mm. in the end, because it's a free service. It's free cause we're the product to the advertisers and us as musicians can be those advertisers. So that play of like ethics comes in where it's like, oh man, okay, I have to really believe in what my music can do or what my music mission is. Mm. Man, I'm I'm speaking for me. I have to, and that's my cuckoo clock. It's gonna go off every half hour. So sorry. <laughs> um, let's just wait a second. <laughs> it is German made. It's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of ethics. For me, it's been something where, okay, I have to kind of look at myself and and really put that critical hat on and be like, okay, am I going to pay into an ad series because I want more likes or I want more people to, you know, feed the addictive qualities of having a bunch of likes or a bunch of streams? Or am I going to use this as a tool to get music that makes me really happy and feel like there's value to in front of other people who also might like that. And um, that reframing has been helpful. But still, I find that like I struggle very much like I imagine you, Matt, like where the, the energy of being on Facebook, like all of a sudden there's a time suck and like six minutes go by and you've been scrolling. Or it's like that tired feeling you get in your eyeballs when like you realize, oh man, I've like looked at my phone like 50 times today. Yeah. Mm. Don't want to be doing that. Yeah. I feel like this, the quarantine has given me such a clear image now of my relationship to technology in that way. Like I used to just kind of think I was much more of a Luddite than I turned out to be. Like I just thought I didn't like any of this. And I'm realizing now that the information benefits of technology, like just being able to look something up and just learn a word or learn a skill or find some video or something like I have never been more grateful for that than I am right now and I've never used it more than I have right now but the reaching out to network and to gain like external things like connections and um, I don't know just just that kind of like sewing that fabric I've never been more turned Mm -hmm. off by it 
Yeah. And it's it's weird. I feel like it for me at least it's just young. You know, it's still just this idea is still brewing, whatever it is. Like it's still something that I'm trying to figure out and kind of understand what it means to me. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just so weird. I've never been so acutely aware of how reliant we are on it. Yeah. Than right now. Yeah. It's kind of scary when you think of that. Mm. And you think of you know you all of a sudden you hear a whistleblower talking about how. Essentially, the government has a warrantless entitlement to anyone's data at any time. They don't need a warrant to learn about what this person's doing, whether it's data stamps or metadata or actual content. And um, it all kind of is swirling around, around like this, I'm jumping topics, but it's around this like election time. And it's a very like intense time for, for us as Westerners, us in the United States. Yeah. Um, but that's the kind of crap that's like pooling around in my head as I'm trying to like still pretend like there's something I can control by releasing music and yeah. okay somehow. Well, it's really weird too because they're all, all of these platforms that we're all on, like they're all private companies, you know? So I, I feel like after they become this ubiquitous, there tends to be this feeling that they're rights, you know, that these are our ways of communicating and these are inalienable in some way. But they're just services that we bought essentially or we're leasing or agreeing to use and all those terms of agreement that we skip past and click agree and certify our age and whatever you know when we're signing up for these things i feel like those start to swirl around for me nowadays when you start seeing like oh they've banned live streaming and like what the fuck how can they do this to us it's like because we signed up and they're a private company and they're making decisions based on whatever bottom line they have and we're still using their product and it's scary. Like when I think about it, it's like the clear solution is to be like, well, this product is no longer applicable to my life. I'll stop using it. But then I'm like, well, then what? Like, what am I going to use? <laughs> I can't, like, I don't know how the hell to be a musician right now yeah. without that. So that's terrifying. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. It didn't surprise me too much because, Ryan, when you and I were working on Wild Mountain Time and we were putting together a music video, Mm-hmm. I was looking into licensing, you know, because it's technically kind of a cover. So I was like, well, what do we need to do? And, uh, you know, looking at all of the requirements and all of the legal guidelines for different platforms and Facebook for years never addressed their <laughs> their video licensing. <laughs> they just left it untouched. And it was just this sort of Wild West kind of... <laughs> Well, we're still kind of a new company. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So I wasn't surprised because I had already read up on how Facebook and Instagram do not really have themselves covered in re music videos and licensing and royalties paid to EMI or whatever they are, uh, whatever those companies are. But, you know, why aren't the guidelines just you can't play covers? Like, why aren't the guidelines different from how they're being laid out? And so to me, it, it's just, there's a way to go about this that, that doesn't seem so much like, well, you're taking this away, and what it seems like will happen is that you'll charge us to have the ability to live stream music or, or post videos of our own, you know, for the ability to, quote unquote, create a musical experience with your products. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, Ryan, like since quarantine started, you've been doing a thing every Friday, the morning meditation 
Yes. Um, where you sit down with a guitar and you kind of broadcast this freestyle, improvised um, instrumental music. And that's been a big part of how you've been able to feel present and feel as though you have a presence during a time when you can't be physically playing too many shows. And it is kind of an extension of, you know, you for a while you were doing yoga classes, you know, uh, background music for yoga classes and stuff like that. So with new rules in place, uh, what do you do? Well, are you specifically talking to like the rules in terms of like the that like bombshell thing where um, Facebook's limiting their music integrations on social media or did I miss the question? No, that's the question. Um, oh, okay. J- just, uh, you know, they're, from what I've read, they have the right to cancel any account that violates this new policy. And the policy is you cannot use Facebook to create a musical experience. And that kind of live stream would fall under that category. Gotcha. So I heard that that was actually misconstrued. Okay. Um, specifically, this is my understanding of it, and I'm sure it's subject to other interpretation, but from my takeaway was that, um, Facebook was specifically targeting the like DJs or EDM artists who sample like full track, like, you know, multi-track recordings of an actual song and playing it on their sets on Facebook live. And because of that, it's like playing, I don't know, uh, an Aerosmith song, you know, and then all of a sudden switching it into something else Um, versus someone like me who's like, I don't know if it's technically like if you create original music, supposedly um, you have you're entitled to copyright of it. Like if you write a song, record it, the moment it's recorded, whether it's registered or not, is technically yours. So I don't know if that's true for Facebook. But the takeaway was that, oh, okay, I think I'm good. I think the artists that are playing covers, but they're performing it themselves are probably still good. And um, any original artist that owns their own rights to their music, still good. So I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And if all of a sudden my account gets deleted, I think I'll probably just jump ship to another platform like I've been thinking about Patreon for some time as well and I don't I don't know what else there is but one thing I do know is that pre-COVID I was very much you know whether I was playing a cover gig or playing a house show it was all original music or playing a yoga studio it was all just original music improvised the majority of my human interaction with people and fans and and um I would rather call it community, not fans, but engagement with community was like freaking 90% off the platform, off of any kind of online presence. But as soon as COVID hit, it was like, well, what am I going to do? So I just started playing those Friday morning meditations. And then all of a sudden people started digging it and I felt good because I was digging it. And, um, some really generous people with donations and tips and stuff like that started thrown into the pot and it it really helps it really helped me through the tough time of sheltering in so i'm not sure if you're able to find any information on that facebook about musicians not being able to play their music but i'm pretty sure original artists are okay 